Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. So we've been in this series, Ancient Past, and we're talking about things that transcend culture and supersede popularity, things that have stood the test of times and things that you can count on. And we've talked about prayer, and we've talked about the Word of God, and now we're going to talk about worship. Um, just, just something that, you know, it, it, it is bigger, it will go beyond. Worship is that thing that you are going to do for all of eternity, for all of eternity. So in other words, when, when we leave this life and go into the next and we're there, worship will happen for forever and ever and ever. And it's a whole lot cooler than that picture of the little dude on the cloud playing the harp. It's way better than that. I'm telling you, that does not sound good. That's like boring. It's going to be so much better, these tried and true. It's, it's, have you ever been driving on the road? And you've gotten some GPS directions, and they're kind of, can I trust these GPS directions? You think you understand which way it's taking you, but you're not sure. Then all of a sudden, uh, old Siri or who at Waze or whoever it is jumps off, and they tell you to take a right turn, and you're just not sure if you could trust those directions, right? It's good to have some directions you could trust. Come on. And uh, anyway, anyway, sometimes. I get in there and I, I pop in the GPS, and honestly, I think I know better than Google Maps. And I've regretted it quite a few times because it was trying to take me around the six-car pileup. And now I'm sitting in traffic for 45 minutes because Lucas thinks he knows better. You know where I'm going with that. Come on, somebody. Because you think you know better, you end up sitting in traffic on Highway 17. And David says, your word, it's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. It's the, it's, it's the Siri that's always right. Come on. So today, worship. And when we think about worship, oftentimes the very first thing that comes to our mind is the musical expression of worship. Now, the, the thing about the way uh, and, and how we think in this musical ex expression is very subjective in nature because that is the nature of music. There's music that you like and music that you don't like, but the music that you don't like, somebody else loves. I myself am a 70s music kind of guy. Come on, somebody. Somebody in the house, bands like Boston and Journey and the Eagles, where all the great musicians were in the 70s, and then the blues, I love the blues. And I, see, I love Chris because Chris gets a little bit of that 70s flavor. He doesn't have the blues in him, He's, I'm sorry to say. There's like no blues in Chris, he's extra white. But um, <laughs> come on, it's just true. Uh, but I've learned this about Jesus. Jesus loves mixtapes. He loves all of it. Even the stuff that you don't like. There's stuff that like, ah, oh, I dig that. He loves every tribe and every tongue and every language and every expression. How'd y'all like that little bit of Spanish this morning? Chris practiced for like 17 hours on that one line. <laughs> All week long, he asked everybody, is this how you say it? Is this how you say it? The good part is 90% of y'all have no clue. So we're going to go with he said it right. Now, here's the thing. The problem 
is not our musical expression. The problem is when we limit it to a musical expression. When we begin to say that this is what worship is, and we limit it to this idea of four songs on a Sunday morning, or K-Love on your radio. Worship, it's, 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 it's all expressions. It's worship, it's how we eat and sleep and pray, and it's how we parent our kids, and it's our marriage, and it's when we go to work. It's all of these things. Worship is when we sit down at a table and break bread with our family, and worship takes place. This expression that goes far beyond uh, the boundaries that we often place upon it, upon a musical expression. And, and I thought about the sermon, and I thought about maybe talking about that this morning, about how it transcends uh, this musical expression, but the problem is you already know that. If you've been a part of church for any point of uh, time, you, you know that. The issue is we just don't live that way. The issue is in modern American culture and society, we act and live as if this four songs or five songs or three songs, whatever church that we go to, this part is worship, and then we transition into something else. And that's just not true. It's just not true. So I'm going to give you a few things this morning to help us, because I think we're starting to see a change. We're starting to see that people are starting to understand that worship is far beyond a musical expression. Um, I have some friends that love to do crazy stuff. One of the things they do is they do these things called rucks, where you strap like 40 pounds to your back and you walk all night long. Sounds like fun. So one of the rucks that they do is they get, I think it's Highway 9. Is, is the Outer Banks Highway 9? Yeah? Y'all don't know. 12. Highway 12. Thank you, Jason. The one person that knows. Okay. Highway 12. Like, long highway, Outer Banks. Um, and there is Cape Hatteras Lighthouse. And you could literally get on this road, and the lighthouse would be 50 miles away. But at nighttime, you could see that lighthouse. And they'll, they'll ruck this road all through the night and they say it's one of the worst rucks possible because you see the light and you think you're getting closer, but that thing is far away, right? And so you just keep going and going and going. And then the night gets darker and darker. My man, you're here from Colorado. Good to see you. Don't walk 50 miles from Colorado with 40 pounds on your back. So, and they're doing this walk and as they're doing this walk, they think they're getting closer, but as it gets darker and darker, the light shines brighter and brighter. As a culture, as society, as things begin to get darker and darker, and America, or as Christian values begin to go to the wayside, listen, it's not that things are getting so dark, it's that it's an opportunity for our light to shine even brighter that people would see it from distances away, that, oh, like, oh, no, no, worship looks like that. Worship looks like that moment where you give up the good parking spot at Walmart. Because the darker it gets, the more people see it. And on the workplace, it becomes easier and easier to spot the Christians because society sometimes gets so dark. And it's far beyond just this musical expression. It breaks through to where we are, people that worship in all things. In all things. So let me give you a few things. First thing, Matthew chapter 15. Jesus 
is answering a question that was given to him by the Pharisees. The Pharisees have come up to him, and they're looking at their disciples. They're having a meal, and they're like, what's wrong with your disciples? Do they not honor the tradition in which you wash your hands before you eat? In which Jesus looks at him and says, you hypocrites. You, you, you talk about th th this outward of washing your hands. Sure, the disciples are a little bit dirty. I mean, it's good hygiene, but, but what about you guys? You, you, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And he goes on to say this. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote this, beginning in verse 8. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as if they were commandments of God. Now, this is a really powerful thing. First of all, like, the first time I read, I just thought there's this kind of a certain irony that Jesus said Isaiah was right when he prophesied about this to you because, you know, Isaiah is the prophet that's speaking the word of God to the people. So in essence, Jesus is saying, Isaiah was right when I told him to tell you, right? So it's, in other words, these were the words of Jesus coming to the people from thousands of years, you know, coming through cultures and societies now to these people, to these people. So these people are transcending cultures and, and different things. And then Jesus says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So he identifies two different things right here. There's this inner working and there's an outer expression. You could say all of the right things and your heart still be far away. You could say everything right, do all the right things, but your heart is fading away. In other words, you could wash your hands with hand sanitizer all you want, but if you've got a dirty heart, trying to all these things on the outside, it's what's on the inside that defiles you. See, see we would love to focus on the outward. We love to focus on the, the outward expression and all this. And Jesus is saying, listen, your lips can look like you got everything together, but your heart is far from me. And when this is the case, you worship me in vain. When this is the case, you worship me in vain. I love what John Piper says. He says, all true worship is, in essence, a matter of the heart. It is more, but it is never less. It is more, but it is never less. In other words, your heart and your lips have to connect. There has to be a certain unity amongst your heart and your lips and your actions. If there's not this unity, it's like a bad overdubbed Chinese movie. The lips are moving, but the words ain't matching up, and everyone else can tell. He says, Pharisees, your life is just like that Chinese movie. Everyone's seeing it, but your life doesn't match up. Your hearts are filthy. Your lips have these right words, but you're missing it, and your worship is in vain. You keep talking about washing hands. How about we wash the hearts? And, and the things that's still going on today in the church, we love to focus on the outward expression. We love to look at a person and make a judgment on what we think we know about them. Don't we? Um, my man Bryson is in the room. We had a conversation one time. If you know Bryson, he's got tattoos all over his face, all over his body. He said, you know, sometimes people look at me and they see all these tattoos and they make these judgment calls. And if you've ever actually taken the time to talk to him, you'll realize he is the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Just this like, dude, he's got tattoos all over, but he's the biggest teddy bear. <laughs> it's like, 
He's got this pure heart. He's got this pure heart. And, and I got to be honest, sometimes uh, me and Chris have had this conversation extensively through the years. There's times where as the pastor, as, as Alan and Chris lead worship, there's a certain desire within us sometimes to want the congregation, want all of us to be more expressive in our worship. There's a time where, you know, Chris, Chris is encouraging, Alan, is, Alan encourages us, you know, let's, let's lift our hands, this act of surrender, let's lift our hands in worship, let's, let's clap our hands. And I know you guys have a hard time finding the beat. <laughs> so I know there's something to it. Watch the snare drum. Just do that. Just what? That's it. Yeah. There it goes. You'll find it. Watch it long enough. But there's this piece of, there's this piece of us that we, we've talked. We're like, yeah, we want, we want our people to have this outward expression because we want to see it. We want to see. We want to know what God's doing because we can't see inside the heart. Um, but we've got to believe and know that God's doing something while at the same time, all of us, all of our pastors, all of us, we're all in the same time. Well, we absolutely hate the show. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about. This kind of outward expression that looks, oh man, it looks like it's jamming. It looks like it's got it all together. It looks, but it's dead as could be. And how do you know when it's the show? You know when it's the show, when someone can worship like God is on top of the mountain for an hour, but the other 23 hours of the day, they're a jerk. That's the show. In other words, you can't come up in here on Sunday mornings and lift your hands and worship and dance and sing and express yourself and then treat your neighbor like garbage. Your lips and your heart are not matching up, and Jesus says that's in vain. When we, when we leave this place and there's not this unity of spirit and truth, we end up a Pharisee. And this, not, this is not the worship that God desires. You just can't treat people like garbage. You can't have this disconnect. It's like rubbing hand sanitizer all over a poisonous mushroom and eating it and thinking you're all good. It's still poisonous. When your heart is bad, you can't say enough right, right words. True worship, spirit, and truth, and our, our expression, however that may be, when this unity comes together, this is the expression which God looks for. And it could be silent as could be. It could be lifted hands. It could be kneeled on the floor. It could be on the workplace where you just love the people around you. But it's a unity of spirit and truth. I want to read to you from the book of Revelations, chapter 4 and verse 10. There's this picture of worship, of heavenly worship. And it says this in Revelations 4 The elders, they bow down and they worship in front of the one who sits on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, and they throw their victor's crown in front of the throne, and they say this, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive all the glory and all the honor and all of the power. Now, I want you to imagine this scene with me for a few minutes, because the, these are elders, and, and, and everything that they've been honored with, they are now throwing before God. 
Because this, this is heavenly worship and this is the throne room. And these people have get, been given positions of power and strength and honor. And they've been given crowns and they've been given thrones. And what do they do with it? They cast it down before the king. In other words, Jesus, all of the power that you've given me, I give back to you. All of the honor that you give, because you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy of all the glory. All of this that you've given me, I'm giving back to you. See, this is worship from a pure heart. A heart that says, Jesus, you've been so generous to me. And I accept everything that you give to me, but I'm giving it back to you because you alone are holy, holy, holy. My heart now informs my lips, and it also informs my hands, and they come in this expression of worship. And they cast it down before him. This is the reason why Satan was kicked out of heaven, because he didn't know how to cast it down. All of that worship, he began to think that he was worthy of the crown. He began to think that he was worthy of the glory. And the same thing is true in our lives. See, something's going to be cast down. It's either we're going to take it or it's going to be us. God, you alone are worthy. When your heart and your life match up, there is a freedom and an expression to God that you alone are worthy. And it's, the, it's grounded in not just the feeling but the truth of God's word. Second thing about worship. It's not for you. I know, that's a big one. It's like mind-blowing. It's not for you. You are a steward of everything that God has given you. Your marriage, your kids, your house, your car, your money, your power, everything that God has given you, they belong to him. And it's up to him what, you know, I'm just a steward. I'm just the steward. The, the, the other day, uh, a few weeks ago, I'm not sure when it was, but Alan sang a song. And, and it's pretty rare that this happens, but Alan did this song, and I was just like, I do not like this song. Like, it's, just, it's just not good in, in my style. I was like, this is, this is, I love Alan. I love when he leads worship. He's great. But this particular song, I was like, you need to move on. You need to move on. But there was so much conviction in my heart as I thought that during worship because I remembered it's not for me. And I began to think, God, do you like this song? <laughs> and then I began to read the words of the song we were singing and they were all scripture. And I was like, okay, I guess you do because you wrote it. <laughs> Come on. Just need to repent. <laughs> if you only worship when things are the way you like it, that's a problem. Is my worship affected by my preference? Now that's an unfair question. Because in a lot of ways it's unavoidable. In a lot of ways there's the way God's made you, and there's certain things the way that, that you express and you just click with certain different things. I love that 70s music. So there's, there's a certain manner in which that's the way God's made you. And there is a preference that uh, comes out in that. So it's really unfair. But maybe a better question is this. Is my worship contingent upon my preferences? If your worship is contingent upon your preferences, there's a huge problem. 
When you can't worship God because all of a sudden I don't like the way they're doing this song, or I can't worship God because this is what's happening on the workplace, or I can't worship God because this is what's happening in my marriage, or because my bank account's empty, come on somebody, there's a huge problem with that. There's a huge problem where if I can only worship God on the mountaintop, I don't know how to worship him in the valley. I mean, have we read the Psalms? I mean, the Psalms is this wonderful example of a man saying, God, I'm going to worship you when I'm on the mountaintops, and I'm going to worship you when I'm surrounded with enemies on all of my sides, and I wish you'd just kill them. <laughs> the actually, as a matter of not just the Psalms, it's the entire scriptures. God, I'm going to worship you if you throw me in this fire. I'm going to worship you if you put me in this lion's den. I'm going to worship you if you put me in the belly of this whale. I'm going to worship you no matter what. The good times and the bad times, I'm going to worship you with a crown. I'm going to worship you with a cross. I'm going to worship in all things. I'm going to worship at this meal when we sit down and we talk. I'm going to worship in the garden when everyone else falls asleep on me. When my pastor falls asleep on me, when my best friend falls asleep on me, when I try to get my spouse to come along but they're just not coming along, I'm going to worship you anyway, sleep on to worship in all things, to learn to be a people that learn to worship whether it's Saul or whether it's David, whether temple is in ruins or whether there's resurrection happening, whether we're worshiping in a tent or a palace, through the ups and through the downs. Because here's the thing, there will be things that you can learn in the valley that are impossible to see from the mountaintop. And just what Chris said, there's things from the mountaintop that you'll, it's really hard to see in the valley. So it's both of these things working together. And that's, that's, that's what Jesus did. He took his disciples. He took them up there. This is transfiguration. And this is amazing. What did Peter want to do? Let's build tents right here. What's the very next thing Jesus said? And he led them back down into the valley. See, this, this gathering is the mountaintop. Monday morning, you walk back into the valley of the shadow of death. And your boss will manifest himself in a way in which you need some Jesus. And you better have it. To be that lighthouse, to be that light in the darkness. See, we've, we've been trained to just wanna stay on the mountaintop, but God wants to teach us how to walk through the valley. Listen to this for a moment. Recognize this. We have a gift right now when it comes to worship. There is something that you get to experience in this life that you'll never experience again. And that's worshiping God in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the disappointment. See, because there comes a day where all of that goes away. And we worship and we stand before our Father and all of eternity we're worshiping and worshiping. But you know what? This is the one chance. Because the angels don't know this. The angels can't worship him this way. But we can. To, to get the persecution, to get the sorrows, to get the disappointment. And in the midst of it, God, you're worthy of it all. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste this life. I don't want to waste this valley. 
I don't want to waste these moments where, yeah, well, it's so easy. You could give up right now or I could worship through it. Because when I begin to worship through it, I find myself with the psalmist and my heart's expressed. And all of a sudden, this heart and this lips come together in this expression. And sometimes it's love and sometimes it's frustration and sometimes it's anger and sometimes it's hurt. But it all culminates into God saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I can work with that. That's the heart I'm looking for. That's a man and a woman whose heart is completely mine. And the angels look down and they look, that's awesome. Because the enemy is just trying to, ooh, if I could just power or money or disappointment, maybe I could get them. And God's like, watch this. Watch this. Which leads to our third thing. In order for this all to happen, for this unity of heart and hands and lips and surrender of all things self and to be thrown down before him, we have to understand the value of whom we worship. You have to have an understanding of the value of whom you worship, that he is the center of our affection and our attention. And when we understand his value, it will lead us to a different expression in our life, in all things. Jesus tells the story of this merchant. He's got a whole bunch of pearls, but he found one that was the pearl. And when he found it, he sold all the other ones to get this one. Because he knew what it was worth. When we begin to understand just how much he's worth, it'll make us want to sell everything else. It'll make us, oh, that used to be a big deal to me. It ain't a big deal anymore because I know the value of the one in whom I worship. Do you understand the value of Jesus? Again, this is kind of a trick question because nobody can fully understand. We can't fully understand and explore the richness of just what that bloody cross. I mean, sometimes even you could go a whole lifetime and just begin to scratch the surface. It says this in Proverbs 25. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. In other words, in in this life and in this worship that we have, as we grow in our understanding, it affects our worship of God. As we seek him out, and as we understand more and more about Jesus, the more we get to know him, the more we're free to worship him. Catch this right here. If you don't get anything, get this this morning. We can only worship in proportionate to our understanding of him. You're going to be thinking about that one for a few weeks. You can only worship in proportionate to your understanding of him. The more you know him as Savior, the more you'll worship him as Savior. The more you know him as your healer, the more you will worship him as your healer. See, the thing is, we know other things more than we know God, and we begin to worship these other things because we put our faith and our confidence in these other things. And I even see this in the scripture. There's this moment uh, where, where Paul walks up and he sees this, this idol that's been made, and it says this, this is, this is to the unknown God at Mars Hill. And he looks at it and he says, like, you, you, you don't know whom the one is you worship, so you can't fully express this worship that's already built inside of you. You're looking for it, and you know it's unknown. Let me tell you about who he is. And whenever you find out about who he is, you begin to worship Jesus at the level in which you know him. 
which is interesting because if you look in the scriptures, every time you have people that have these great encounters with Jesus, you know what their reactions are? I fell down as if I was dead. Job, I put my hand over my mouth. Paul, struck blind. Oh, I had no clue. All of these elders at the throne room, as they look to Jesus and they look at the glory and the honor and the power they've given them, it's as if it was nothing compared to what you've done. To live is Christ, to die is gain. See, he could say that because he understood that and he lived that. See, the more we have this understanding, the more we can live this out and our expression will change. Right now, you worship at the level in which you know him and your expression is proportionate. I'll just let that hang there. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says this. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good, to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that pleases God. Now, it's interesting because uh, as the writer of Hebrews would have written two, two times, he mentions this word sacrifice. And if you were there and you were a Jewish listener listening uh, or, or reading this, it would be direct connection to the temple sacrifices. Because for, for all, all of the history so far, this is how you please God. There was a temple and there was this altar and there was this goats and sheep and doves and lambs. And this is how we come and we bring our sacrifices to God. And he's saying, listen, Understand this about sacrifices now. It's your entire life. And, and you can't do it. The only way you could do it is through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. This continual praise and sacrifice of praise that we could give him because he was the lamb that was pure and spotless and laid his life down. This is the new value. It wasn't that goat you raised. It wasn't that lamb that you raised. It was the son of God who laid his life down. And now we could enter in because of his ultimate sacrifice. Worship itself is only possible because of what he's done. The truth Life and death and resurrection that are found in Jesus is far greater than the sacrifice of any goat. When we understand that value of Jesus, when we say, God, you are good, and we love you, all to know him, to know him. That's why the, the writer just, the little bit that I know about him, I want to know him more. Because God, if you don't go, we don't go. I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection. But not just that, I also want to know the fellowship of your suffering. I want to worship you in all things. Mountaintops, valleys low. I want my mouth and my heart to live in unison where spirit and truth and God, anything you've given to me, I cast down before you. Don't, don't let me hold on to this crown too tight because it was yours to give and you alone are worthy. Let's all stand to our feet and ask the worship team to come back up. When all of this comes together, the Bible refers to this as being salt and being light. It's the moment 
in which our lighthouse gets put up and people can see it for miles and miles away. So much so that all the way up in heaven, Jesus smells the worship and it's a sweet aroma. And it goes far beyond a musical expression. It goes all the way to your soul, to your marriage, to how you treat your enemies, to how you treat the people that talk bad about you, to every Facebook post that you put online, to be salt, to be light, to get rid of a life that's been driven by your own personal preferences and say, God, this worship is for you. This life is for you. And in you, we live and breathe and move and have our very being. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, you alone are worthy. We cast down our crowns. We remove ourselves from any throne that you've given us. We put ourselves on our knees and just say, holy are you, Lord. And God, we repent. Lord, if there's anybody in the room that we've let We've let pride dictate our worship. We've let preference dictate our worship. We've let circumstances, we've let disappointments in life. God, help us to worship you in all things. Help us to be a church that worships you on every mountaintop in every valley low. And even if the furnace in America is cranked up seven times hotter, God, we're still gonna worship you. That the world would look on and say, there's someone else in the fire with them and it looks like Jesus. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. Father's calling you home. My son, my daughter, come to me. I love you. It's time for a new day. That's you and you're just ready to surrender your life to Jesus. I'm asking you to put your hand real high in the air and leave it there so I can see it. I don't want to miss anybody. So that you just want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. Is there anybody in the house this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask everyone to please repeat after me. Lord Jesus, God, I surrender. My life is yours. I am yours. You are mine. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Your life, your love. Jesus, I need you. I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Amen. Guys, can we give it up? We had five people in the house. Come on. Come on. The angels rejoice.
You are Lord God Almighty. Let's worship. Let's worship. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.